1: Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable
2: at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan, and you can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits.
3: Hi, I'm Steve McGookin. I'm the former chairman of uh, New York Spurs, nyspurs.com. And you can also reach me at Steve McGookin on Twitter or uh, at Northern Slant.
4: Yeah, hi, I'm Jake, I'm Newcastle representative for the podcast, uh, you can get me on Twitter at jakejappin with two N's.
1: Alright, thanks so much for joining us guys. Uh, up first, we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, the big football news of the day, which was Arsenal winning, what was, was it the 14th I think I saw? Community Shield? Um, um, <laughs> it was some absurd number. They've it won was it. a lot. They've um, won it many, many times. Yes, we have. <clears throat> and Three in the last four years. <laughs> that'll do. And I'm really curious to hear how you guys view this as an event. Because for me, when I first really started getting into the sport, Steve, you'll know this because you were in the States at the time as well, it was the first match Fox would covered for the upcoming season. And so I always viewed it more as the beginning of the new season rather than the tail end of the old. But, you know, we talked about friendlies a couple weeks back and whether or not they matter. So instead of just asking if the Community Shield matters, do you view the event and the pageantry of it being at Wembley and everything as kind of the end of the preseason or more as the beginning
2: of the new upcoming season? Well, we won it, so <laughs> it counts this year. United oh. went last year, mm-hmm. it didn't count, but we won it this year, so it does count. And if you yeah. think that's ridiculous, I don't care. <laughs> Realistically, <laughs> oh. probably not, but a um, T- Courtois took a penalty. Come on, it's a friendly...
3: Yeah, I always regarded it as a competitive friendly, to be honest with you. And I always thought it was kind of the last, the last match of the of the preseason build up. But as Dan says, there's a trophy on offer, and at the end of the season, when you're posing with whatever you won, uh, you know the shield was always there. So uh, it's a good way. It's a good way to kick off the season. It gets people uh, interested in the in the game again. But I, I always thought of it as a competitive friendly
4: yeah I, I think that's a, a good description of it it's sort of it's it's not quite what a friendly is it's not sort of a a, a competitive game either it's somewhere in the middle uh, and when you talk about sort of the the first game of the new season or or sort of the last game of, of um the preseason, it's sort of like somewhere in the middle of that as well like it's kind like of a matters. like it's event a event lo- purgatory yeah yeah it's, it's something like that it's sort of like i guess what it would be sort of like a Coronation of a queen. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but something like that. You know, it's like got someone completely pointless. It's like really if,
2: if you rank a preseason game as a one and a
4: regular season games a two, it's a one point five. That's exactly what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's somewhere in between that, and you see like all the coverage on social media and and such. Like you don't get that for a friendly, so it it has to matter somewhat more, and and the fact it was at Wembley. So yeah, I'd say it's, it's sort of like a, a glorified friendly, a competitive friendly is a better way to put it. A,
3: always a worrying thing as well because you you don't want any of your players to get injured, and it's sort of one of those games where at the end of the day you would rather keep your your squad completely intact, uh, you know, and that's the outcome that you want at the end of it. And obviously we had a bit of an issue with uh, with Trippier in our in our final friendly yesterday. So I think if you if you think of it in terms of like the final piece of preparation for teams to start the season next week uh then that's obviously you know front and center
1: yeah um obviously the two teams today arsenal and chelsea uh are both thought very highly of heading into the new season do you think either of them will be title favorites this year currently it seems like city and chelsea just depending on what site you look at are the betting favorites but who do you guys think will uh or or at least are expected to win the title this season City,
2: I'm surprised Chelsea are that high. Actually, I'm. I don't think they've had a great summer, and now they have to. Be, they have European football, which is going to be extra games, and they they were short on depth last year, and they haven't really added any except for getting their loan army back. But even then, they sold Triore, they sold Ake, they sold um Loftus. Or did they sell or but lo- either no, they, sold loan Loftus, Loftus cheek? cheek they, yeah, loaned they loaned Zuma out. They, and did they sell Chalaba? Yes, they did sell Chalaba. That's to what they Watford. sold. Yeah it's chelsea have like 50 lone players i'm okay with getting it confused but um yeah i i don't think they've had a great summer i don't really regard i think they're third favorite at best i have city as one and united as a relatively distant second
3: i i i would be kev i'd be hugely controversial and say that uh you know i think the same seven teams are going to occupy the top seven places as mm-hmm. last season but obviously in in a different order i think um United, for me, probably have the potential to rise the furthest from last year. But I think, as as Dan mentioned, uh, the, you know, the, the crux is going to be how the teams who are playing in the Champions League uh, adapt to that and deal with that in the in the course of their uh, the course of their season. I think for Liverpool, um, you know, obviously as of today, nothing's announced, but a lot's going to depend on on whether they keep continue and if if he goes, who they uh, who they replace him with. So. Uh, yeah, I, I I it's hard to say right now. It's um uh it's really uh City, Chelsea United, I think, and then uh us Arsenal and Liverpool, um, you know, with um uh with Everton in the mix, I think Everton have, have had a pretty good uh off season. So um yeah, it's hard to see. I, I was surprised City sold Ianacho, to be honest, but I suppose given who the, who
2: else they have that doesn't and- seem to rate him particularly highly either.
3: And their ability to go out and get whoever they want—it makes perfect yeah. sense. So, and, uh, the, and there I, is a buyback
2: in there. Yeah,
3: right. And I think Lacazette it will turn out to be a good signing for uh, for you for Arsenal. And on the other one, I suppose that, that's still unresolved is Van Dijk. Uh, I mean, it, it, it depends really where he ends up as well. So,
2: I we'll mean, see? if Liverpool get Van Dijk and Kaida, they're title contenders. But mm-hmm. it currently I'm assuming looks like they're doing neither.
1: After yeah, both it, looking it super close at times.
2: Yeah, I was concerned for a point that, um, it, uh, knock on all the wood, but I don't think they're going to happen at this point. Yeah.
4: I think Van Dijk could happen. I, I think that's, that's one that definitely could happen. Mm. I, I think he's going to, he's going to have to leave and I'm not completely buying the Chelsea room. I don't know why they'd want another center back. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just really make Andres, much sense. Kristen yeah. Back. Yeah. And having Antonio Rudiger as well, it right. doesn't really make much sense for them to get him. So I, I think you, I think he'd probably end up at Liverpool if I had to, if I had to guess. But I think, I think Liverpool are, are definitely an outside bet if they don't go into the Champions League. I think if, I think if they lose to Hoffenheim and maybe play, and just squander the Europa League if they get into it, they've definitely got a chance. Mm. They've got. Um, you know they've they've got a lot of goals in that attack. I think they're going to lead the goals in it, uh lead uh, lead the league in attack in uh, goals this year. I think definitely yeah. Salah. Yeah, the that's... way they played against Bayern Munich was just incredible. They're going to be so fluid, yeah. like the, the fluidity for for a lot of the lesser teams as well is going to be so difficult to defend against. I think they're going to. I think they're one that could potentially. I, I if they bring in a couple of players of the they level of they probably have the hand, most variance to...
2: in where they'll finish. Like I can yeah. see them finishing anywhere between fifth and first. Mm. Yeah, I could, whereas I, I, everyone I, I, else is uh, more of a two or three, and we're, and we're just spot. basing
1: that on whether or not the defense exists this year, correct? Yeah, pretty much, because nobody has doubts about that. Well, and right? injuries, right? That's fair. And and well, as Steve mentioned, I, I don't think the continue thing will happen, but I have also very publicly said I didn't think the Neymar thing would happen. So, <laughs> so <laughs> interesting. In fairness,
2: where... I didn't think that. I thought that was just bold as well, but then it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> then it's, it's
1: incredible. And also, shout out to my employer, Goal. For being the source of the article from last year, uh, the week before he signed his contract extension, which added the 222 million euro release clause, saying that it was part of a ploy to get him to Paris. And uh, that also got mocked a lot at the time, and here we are.
0: so
2: In a very go. weird world.
3: Yep. Well, I mean, when you think about it, Kevin, you and I have spoken about this before. I mean, mm. the, the release release clause is really... In a, in a world where you have a universe of, a very small universe of clubs to whom money is no object, basically, release clauses are, you know, you just pick a number. Uh, I think where the, the damage to football's economics uh, going forward will be is in Neymar's uh, wage structure and mm. how that knocks on to, to other players. So I think... <sighs> In a strange way, like you and I had said previously, I sort of half expected somebody to pay that, and it was only going to be one of, you know, two or three clubs that were actually going to do that. Uh, but as you know, I mean, a year ago I predicted that Messi was going to leave and go <laughs> to go to play with Pep. So, uh, you know, just shows you how you can you can be totally off the ball. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see how that what the knock on effect of the of the Neymar transfer is for um, for uh, for the other elite clubs across Europe.
1: Yeah, I had, uh, Jake and I were talking about it the, the day that all looked like it had been finalized, and I my, my final thought on it was uh, there is a bit of catharsis seeing a club do this to Barcelona after they've done it to so many other so clubs. So much catharsis, but, so much. But there's an equal amount of concern, as, as Steve was saying, about the direction the sport could go if this starts to become a more uh, consistent occurrence in, in the sport. But...
2: Um, they took Fabregas Nani from us. I don't care. Screw <laughs> Barca.
1: That is fair. I mean, they gave us Gio <laughs> dos Santos, um, and now they
2: might get Paulinho. So, uh. in fairness, <laughs> they did also take Thomas Vermaelen for actual, real human money. So
1: <laughs> for for real bucks, um, <laughs> like not monopoly money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with uh, questions for each of these guests regarding their clubs. All right, and we are back. Uh, Dan, we'll continue to lead in with you and your hype about your uh, quote-unquote trophy slash shield today. It's definitely a shield. It is a quote-unquote trophy. Um, My question for you is going to be about Alexis, because Wenger came out this week and basically just kiboshed any potential uh, news that he may be leaving, said he's staying here this year. The only issue with that is he has said that about players a lot of times. And been wrong frequently with uh, Van Persie, with Nasri, with Clichy. So, how confident are you, even with him saying that he's staying, that he is staying? And if he, if you do think he's staying this season, do you think he'll stay beyond it?
2: I'm quite confident in him staying this season, though I don't think that's the right decision, and I don't think he'll stay after this season. Like I, I think the only way it's worth it to keep um, Alexis and not and throw away the, let's say, 50, 60 million pounds we would get for him is if we win the title, and I don't think we're winning the title or coming particularly close to it, so, yeah. So, yes, this year, going to walk. Yes, this year, next year, no next year. And then he's going to be the best Bosman in, I mean Lewandowski, but mm. one of the best Bosmans in recent history. Yeah, any Any thoughts on where he might end up? City.
1: Yeah? Yeah, it just...
2: Hey, Chelsea, I I don't know. City seemed to be the obvious one. Yeah, everyone who are linked
1: and the connection to Barca back then. Yeah,
2: I'm not, I still don't know if... I don't know why he would want to play in a Pep system, if I'm being honest, but... Considering he was, like, stuck down the pecking order and didn't really I'll get Considering he's an he's individualistic player and Pep wants a system.
1: Yeah, it, it will definitely be interesting to see where that falls. Especially
2: for his wide men. I remember, well, was it? There, there, there's that Henri Sky Sports thing where he analyzes Pep and, like, how he tried to move around in his wide position and then got subbed off for it. And that's Alexis' kind of thing. He's not a winger. He's just going to stay wide, provide width. Right. But I don't know. Lots of money. (laughs) Great cash, homie.
1: (laughs) You mentioned there that you don't think you're going to be winning the title this season. I think the main concern, um, maybe not a concern for neutrals. I don't think they're particularly concerned at all. But the clear (laughs) shortcoming last season was the regression of the defense. Do you, do you think that that will improve this season, and what do you think led to that last year?
2: Um, I thought the midfield was terrible. It left the defense exposed often. We were bad in transition because... I like, I'm going to blame this on the role Coughlin was asked to play more than Coughlin himself because Wenger, for some reason, wanted him to... But he he'd had the same set up as in players but instead of having Coughlin as a sweeper behind he wanted him to go win the ball high up the pitch which when it works is great but it doesn't work anywhere near off enough to make up for the fact that if it doesn't work and he gets bypassed you're gonna or teams can go in straight at our defense and that's like I, who, I don't know care who your defenders are if you're getting attacked with no cover at all repeatedly you're gonna concede goals and you're gonna concede chances and Mustafi had a fine not great season and he's a fine not great defender but um and then we had, well, was it Caselleing sometime? Bellerin was hurt the entire second half of the season. it it was a well, it was a mess, but I think the mess started from midfield more than the individual defenders. Um the three at the back helped a lot for the I mean, well, it helped a lot in the games we played, but you can only take so much from the games we played because we played against bad teams and teams that didn't care. so, you know, we'll see how it goes up against teams that are not bad and do care.
1: Yeah. Um, how how much impact do you think Kola Sinek will have?
2: Um. Aside from winning you the
1: Community Shield.
2: Aside from that, um, and aside from being just a massive human being, like he's huge. Um, I think he's uh, well, a lot of it. I'm not sure he'll help specifically, but if we're going three or five or three at the back, he can. He has the legs to play wing back. And has a foot that can do things with a soccer ball, unlike um, Kieran Gibbs. Because he has a foot that can't do anything with <laughs> anything. Um, I'm not really sure they actually exist. But, um, yeah, not sure as great as he is. He doesn't have the legs to play wing back. Like, it was very, very apparent when he tried to play there. Um so, yeah, he he, he feels a need, a very desperate need, especially for playing three or four, three in the back. If we're playing four, it's a less desperate need, but even then, Gibbs is bad and not just getting up there. So, it was a need regardless. And he looks very good, um, especially for a free. Yeah. Uh, maybe not better than Alexis will be next year, but pretty yeah. good.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, or he's going to go cry. Um... <laughs> uh, coming to you now, Steve. Um... Last week we were going to touch on the Wembley factor, didn't have time, uh, but we'd we'll be very interested to get your take on it because there was so much doom and gloom, and then even though it was a friendly, both Tottenham and Juventus played pretty much their first 11s uh, on Saturday, and Tottenham played very well, end up getting a two-nil result. You don't want to put too much weight in it, but again, you know, they were pretty full 11s. How are you feeling about the move into Wembley? And what do you think the effects will be either on and off the pitch?
3: psychologically it's huge Kevin and going going to Wembley as we know leaving behind the fortress that was White Hartley in you know that that is psychologically is going to be a huge hurdle for us for this season uh, yeah you're right about the uh, about the Juve match I mean I watched most of the first half and most of the, and most of the second half and I thought our two goals um, against Juve were an example of how well we can actually do when we're, we're playing that free-flowing uh Type of football against a team that doesn't play a high press against us, I mean we saw in that pretty disastrous game in Nashville as you as you know that we were, we were pressed out of that basically, so I hope you know Potch is able to adjust to that, but yeah psychologically I, excuse me psychologically, I think um, the Wembley factor is going to be huge, particularly in the Champions League, and particularly how we uh, uh, get off to a, get off to a good start if we can get a good couple of um, uh, solid home results early in the season, then I think we're uh, we're going to be fine, but um, yeah, it's it's going to be tough to to not have the atmosphere that we had at White Hart Lane, or even just the sense of knowing that we rarely concede or rarely lose at White Hart Lane uh, anymore. So, so we'll see. I mean, in terms of you know broader issues around how the mentality of, of the the fans thinking about the team going forward, I'm I'm actually not that worried about our inactivity in the transfer market. I mean, I don't know about you to be. To be honest with you, I mean, other teams around us obviously have strengthened, and so that's a consideration. But and I know it sounds like a cop-out and a cliche, but I'm, I'm actually excited about the idea of having a healthy Harry Winks back, for example, because um, he's, one, he's one of those players who's, um, who's having him available is as good as a new signing. I hate to say that. I mean, Danny Rose as well, but, you know, we know what he can do already. I mean, Winks has... The biggest upside of anyone in our squad, I think, and I'm, I, I'm enthusiastic to see how he can develop for a full, full, healthy season. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, balancing the, the two things off, I think that the squad that we left White Hart Lane with was a very, set, a very strong squad. Um, whether we can replicate second place this year is a huge challenge, given. Uh, given the hurdle of of playing uh, each week at Wembley or every other week at Wembley, so it, it's 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 the it's the elephant in the room, Kevin.
1: Yeah, I I really like your winks point, and actually had already written a note to talk to you about where you think Spurs would finish if there were no more signings. As you mentioned, a lot of the other teams are strengthening, but a lot of the people we're competing with are strengthening by adding a striker, which mm-hmm. you know bringing in La Cazette for Arsenal to play up front, Lukaku to United. um we do not need to do that because Harry Kane is up front with his two golden boots. So if, if we just stood Pat, even with the tripier injury and not knowing how bad that is a week before the season starts, how high do you think Tottenham could finish just with the squad as is? This
3: is, this is heresy. I don't think we can finish second again. I really just, I don't think we have the strength and depth to be able to do it. Um, And obviously the, the, the Wembley situation is going to be tough. Uh, So, and, and, We've had this conversation several times about Vincent Janssen. Um, yeah. We're still waiting for him to prove himself. Really, I mean, I, I, we all love his enthusiasm and the fact that he he contributes a lot off the ball and and you know even when he when he comes on late. Uh, but our our problem again is if if Harry goes down with another long term injury, uh, then we have to adjust to that and. Last year, we were able to, you know, use Son and uh, Ericsson stepped up. Deli Ali scored a, a significant number of goals from midfield, but but the problem remains that we don't have a recognised backup striker who's consistent that we can actually rely on to step in that to to fill that role if we play that that formation.
1: So basically, if King gets hurt, then that's when the trouble could start.
3: But it it was last year, and it worked out okay. I mean, <laughs> you know, Harry Harry missed nearly. You know, how many games did he miss at the start of the season last year?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that like October November period with the first knee injury.
3: Still won the golden boot, you yep. know. So, uh, but but that's a lot. That's a lot to put on the kid's shoulders, especially at Wembley. As I say, the psychological effect of moving from the lane uh, is is going to be huge, and we are going to need to hit the ground running with uh, wins in the first couple of home games. I think so. But, yeah, it, uh, I, I, would, I would hope that we could make top four uh, this year, but uh, I would hope for a solid run in one of the Cups uh, because I think the, the structure of the team as it is at the moment is if we don't win anything this coming season or if we don't show well in the Champions League, then we're going to have the conversation at the end of the season with us about to move into the new stadium about which of our young players we can hold on to.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see who is willing to commit to this long-term if there is a slip-up, or if we happen to miss top four, who would be willing Mm -hmm. to stay around to try to get back in there the following year. Uh, Kind of on a similar note, Jake, about if teams don't make signings, it's basically been your mantra this whole offseason is that you need to add, especially up front. um, There is rumors between Dan and Jake here of potential Lucas Perez, either loaner or signing, if that doesn't happen, if you don't make a signing up front, how do you think the whole Gail mitrovic iosep Perez situation will work itself out?
4: Uh, we would definitely sign a player up front. Whether they're going to be a good player or not, I'm not so <laughs> sure. At the start of the summer, I had some sort of pipe dream that we might get Mishibat Uh And it was possible at one point. But Chelsea that would have signed another good. striker. <laughs> Chelsea need to sign another striker. And it, at the moment, it doesn't look like that's happening. So we've moved on. Uh, Rafa's been very clear in his quotes about signings. He said he he hasn't been able to get the players that he wanted to sign, whether and I think that's mainly because of the budget and and we are in a very unique situation. Without we we never got parachute payments because we came straight back up, so sort of the the hit of relegation is coming more this summer, which makes it quite difficult for us to to put fees out there and with the uh. Mikel Moreno, uh, Moreno deal from uh, Borussia Dortmund. It's been a loan with an obligation to buy, which is very much a, a point of pushing the the spending to next summer rather than spending now because we just don't have the budget. Uh, this week, yeah, the Lucas Perez stuff has been going on. I'm I'm not totally convinced he we're his first choice, or that we're gonna offer. Therefore, after. it's
2: probably his first choice. Yeah. But if you
4: can get him, get him. He's good. Yeah, I I, I think he's the terrible, but that <laughs> doesn't matter. Uh-huh. But yeah. Benitez was asked about him today, and he said that he's a player that he knows, and so it, he wouldn't even come out with a quote of anything if it wasn't possible. I think there's a chance, but I don't think we're gonna give Arsenal the, the money they probably want. I think if if we did get a deal, it might be a similar one to the Moreno one, where it's uh, an obligation to buy, and, and it's sort of pushing the pushing the money to next summer, which pro- all it does is puts the same problems next summer as well. But we'll we'll see how it plays out. Another one was. Is it Hossaloo from Stoke City? I oh, know we've yeah. been pretty pretty heavily linked with him. Uh, there was a uh, bid turned down. I saw the Mirror reported it to be 12 million, but I can't imagine it was that. I, I we considering we we're not willing to pay that for Paris, I don't think we'll pay it for Hossaloo. I think it was probably a, a lot a lot lower than that. But yeah, it's, that's another player. Uh, and like it's very similar to our, all our signings has been players that Rafa knows or he can check up on, you know, or ask about get background checks. Uh, he played for Real Madrid, I think, one time. <laughs> so that's a that's a pedigree to to sign a player on. <laughs> he did, I think, he's even scored in that game. He played one game, one goal. So if you know, better strike rate than uh, Benzema, <laughs> so get him in. <laughs> but no, I think we'll sign someone, um, probably Spanish, and and I think we might even sign another goalkeeper. And maybe another winger as well. We we I think Rafa would ideally want three or four players. But to get those, we need to move players on. And we've got a massive wage bill. Uh, Masadio Haidara, we we agreed a deal to let him go to St Etienne for free, but he turned it down. Uh, Emmanuel Riviera has turned deals down. They, they're just all turning deals down because they're on such big wages. There's just no pressure for them to move on. And we can't really bring players in. We've, we've got, I think, like 30 first-team players. We need to move some of them on before we can bring players in. And and all the reports about Rafa being unhappy, I think it, it's probably true to an extent, but I don't think it's at the club. I think it's more because of the situation he's he's got. He's found himself in. A lot of it isn't his doing. Well, most of it, all of it isn't his doing. He, since he's arrived, he's, he's done well in, in recruitment. He's Players are probably on more reasonable wages. We're not signing as many sort of duds. So I, I think... It's going to be a slow build. Rafa knows that this season is just going to be about staying up and, and consolidating. And, and it's a view. It's a long-term project, I think four or five years down the line. I think Rafa looks that far ahead as well. The way he talks about Newcastle, he definitely sees it as a long-term project. I think we just need to get the players we need, like, like Rafa says, not the players we want, the players we need to get us to, to the next stage of that development, which would be, I don't know, a mid-table finish, and I think it's well within our capabilities, even if we didn't sign any more players.
1: I think the, the wing uh, comment is really interesting, because I have been very impressed with Christian Atsu this preseason. Uh, do, do you think that he is finally becoming the player that the talent always implied he could be?
4: Yeah, he's, he's been very good. Uh, against Wolfsburg, he was one of our best players, and I think today, against Hellas Verona, he played very well again, so... Yeah, he's it's, it's been an interesting one because when we signed him, we thought he was going to absolutely be excellent in the championship, but he wasn't, and, it, and we didn't think we were going to sign him on a permanent. And it wasn't until sort of April or May that he was starting to you know, really thrive. He got a couple of good goals. He was starting to look like one of our best players. It was at that point, I, I think it was literally his last three or four matches that convinced Rafford to, to make the deal permanent. And he's carried that on through the preseason. I think he'll probably start next week. He probably starts the, see, uh, the season as our first choice left winger. So it's up to him, really. I think he definitely has the talent, and and I, he knows Rafa's systems well. He, he seems to be a good character as well. He, he's not one of the sulkers that we've had before. He seems to apply himself well. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's definitely one that could be very good, but also he's he's done nothing to to really suggest he he can do it at Premier League level yet. He, it's still a lot of question marks about him. Like it's the same with most of our squad. We don't have many sort of proven I hate that hate the word proven Premier League, but you know, they've never really done it at the top level. So there's lots of doubts about whether they could do that. I'm sure they can. I mean Rafa Rafa is gonna he's one of the best coaches in the league, even if he is managing a newly promoted team. So the the Rafa factor alone is worth five five to ten points and, and that's probably why we would be okay. Uh okay. So yeah, back to that so yeah, good player. I think he's he could be good. He's got He's just got the look of someone who would be really frustrating, sort of like a Wilfred Zaha in the very early stages of his development. Mm-hmm. Just like He can be very exciting to watch, but also when he gets to the final third, the, the final product isn't always there. But no, he, he's going to start the season. It's probably it's one of our best players. So yeah, it's just difficult to get that enthused by many of our players. <laughs> <laughs> like, we had our kit launch, which is pretty irrelevant, but, like, the three players used were Dwight Gale, Matt Ritchie, and Isaac Hayden. Like, if they're your best three players, or, like, your most marketable players, then, yeah, you're you're one of the worst teams. One of the, the bottom ten teams, rather than the top ten teams. It sounds like you could use Sissoko back. He looked yeah, no. like <laughs> I heard, and, and if anything, that's just getting him getting him in the team for his homecoming next week. Which, if he if he starts at Sidge's Park next week, he is going to have an awful game because he's going to get so much stick. And good goes... Sissoko might
1: be at right back. <laughs>
2: yeah,
4: I was going to say oh. uh, he might play right wing back. <laughs>
2: yeah, if
4: he if he, he, he plays right wing back, then Christian Atsu could get a hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: everybody but, yeah he gets three good
4: shots on goal whether we'll they go in uh, <laughs> he,
2: <laughs> he will, will get, get describing him
4: yeah he, he's gonna get jobs if he's against moussa sissoko yeah if he plays next week i will be very confident we'll get a result because he is not only an awful player he is a, has the worst mentality of a football player i've ever seen at uh, newcastle and he is not going to be the type of player that reacts well to to getting booed and absolute getting pelters from the stands he's not that type of player I really hope he starts
1: (laughs) (laughs) well we will we will see and uh looks like we'll also have time to do a couple match previews at the end and obviously Newcastle will be playing Tottenham then but uh now kind of in the vein of Anatsu who could very much develop this year I want to talk to each of you about uh, a player at your club that you think could take the biggest step forward uh this season we'll start with you Dan
2: um biggest step forward could be a woby I mean if he plays the way he did today probably a um him and Bellerin could both take steps because you know young players potential obviously they could um but a whoe uh, I think bellerin's had a higher he's got to a higher point than a has so he obviously has more for more room for growth but yeah a woby's got to a higher point than Bellerin. so if he gets yeah. enough minutes I think he could take a big step. That's an if, considering the two players in front of him are likely going to be Mesut Ozil and uh, Alexis Sanchez. But, you know, we're Arsenal. We get injuries. Um, and Alexis could find himself playing at striker with injuries. So, who knows? If he gets a minute, he's... Well, he looked very good today. He often looks good, even if he does have a bit of a problem with floating in and out of games. Um... But yeah, he could take a big step. Although if we're going purely off perception, probably Granite Xhaka because his perception was so much worse than his reality, and I think people are finally starting to figure that out. But if we're going on actual ability, probably Alex Awobi.
1: Fair enough, Steve. I know you were a very complimentary of, of Winks there. Is that who you're going to stick with here? Or maybe maybe somebody crazy like Inkudu, who at times looks like he could really be a player and at other times lo- makes it look very confusing as to how he's on the wages he's on.
3: This is true. This is true. I, I was going to say, though, in terms of the biggest step forward from performance last season, I mean, Sissoko has to be your man, really, doesn't he? I mean, if he plays remotely well in, in <laughs> any, you know, that that's he didn't a,
2: kick the ball in his own net.
3: <laughs> I mean, I, I totally agree, though, with Jake. I think um, I think he he. It'll be a challenge for him to to raise his game for next week if he plays if he plays in that opener. So uh, let's just see how how it goes. It'd be interesting to see how Potts uses him through the season anyway. Uh, but yeah, I mean Wink, Winks is one of those players where um, you you know there's so much more to come. And really, what you want is to have him bedded in and play some uh, uh, you know running games or running regular games. But of course. I suppose the big the big one is it's a make or break year for Trippier for Kieran Trippier and hopefully you know fingers crossed he's not he's not hurt too badly after Saturday but you know, if you if you've ambition at all as a as a player and confident in your own abilities which he seems to be then you'll welcome a challenge like this and I think he'll definitely step up I mean that doesn't mean let's be honest that doesn't mean that we don't have an adjustment to make at the in the back four. And I think that's going to take time, and it'll depend how how Potch uses Eric Dyer. Uh, but I think I think Trippier has the potential to to really come into his own this season. Although you know, it's obviously been. Uh, the, the chalice has been passed to him, whether he likes it or not. But it, now it's uh, it's up to him to to prove that he can step up to it. Um, in, in terms of the youngsters, uh, interesting. Josh onimo went out on loan to Villa, which I think is a good loan because uh, I think Villa will do pretty well uh, this season, and uh, he'll he'll get some time. Um, uh, always high hopes for Marcus Edwards, who apparently just signed a new contract for us. And uh, and the hyphen twins, you know, Carter Vickers and. Uh, <laughs> And Walker Peters. Um, also, uh, you saw him up close. This this Giorgio kid who, who played on yeah. the U.S. I was I was very impressed with him actually. In the, in the clips that I saw, and it'd be interesting on, uh, to hear your take on uh, you know if you watched him for longer than just the sort of fifteen minutes uh, or so. But um, but yeah, I mean generally speaking, I think I think it's a challenging year for Trippier. Uh, we'll we'll get Winks back, and I think as I say, there's a there's a high upside with Winks, and uh, we'll see we'll see that development this year.
1: Yeah, Georgiou did look really good in person. Um, just one of those players that just kind of gets you to that edge of your seat kind of moment. Um, mm-hmm. Had a shot that could have gone in. Um And in Tottenham tradition, it tends to not be the hyped ones that come good for us. Yeah, It tends to be randomly this person out of nowhere. It's like, oh, well now he's going to be one of our starters. And you're like, oh. Okay, wasn't it supposed to be Tom Carroll for like eight years? No? Okay. It'll be Mason, then Bentaleb, then Winks, obviously. Um, So in that mold, it could be Georgiou that all of a sudden comes out of nowhere. We do need help on the wings, especially if Kane would get injured, because then it puts Sun up front, leaves kind of a gap there out on the left. Uh, But yeah, no, I I was very impressed with him. I was also very impressed by Kyle Walker-Peters on the left, which is Mm. not where we need him. Um (laughs) But he did it for the England U-20s, and then in, I think it was the second match uh, against Roma, he was playing on the left, and he looked very assured over there. So interesting to to see how he works out. But yeah, obviously in in modern times, just loads of young talent uh, at Tottenham, and with a manager like Pochettino, always a chance that one of them breaks through. All right, and Jake, is there anybody at Newcastle that we should uh, be keeping an eye on there?
4: Yeah, I've actually got a few for this question. As much as I was bemoaning our lack of quality, <laughs> that, that that means that there's chances for those on the fringes to come in and, and sort of grab the opportunity and prove what we've always thought about them. Uh, I'll start I'll start with one that uh, I w- that I always start with every year. I talk I say it could be his year, and then he gets injured and misses the whole season. And that's Rolando Aaron. He's he's such a talent. He's like, um, he's so quick, dynamic, can beat a player, got a good shot, good cross. He's got everything to be a good Premier League player. And he, every preseason I get convinced by him and then he goes down injured and misses the rest of the year. And then the next season it's like, he's never been injured. He's exactly the same player and he gets better as well, which is weird considering he's injured for such a large period of time. So hopefully he stays fit because if Atsu doesn't work out, I think he's definitely one that could come in and, and have a strong season. There's also a certain Alexander Mitrovic, who is still only 22, if you believe it or not. That's still incredibly young for a striker. Wow, Especially,
0: seriously? Wow. He's, he's 22
4: years old, yeah. Oh my wow. God, he scored on us when he was like 19. Yeah, he, he is a huge talent. Like he's, he, There's a player in, in there. Both meanings uh, of the word. <laughs> exactly. I've just like loaded up Twitter now, and there's an interview of him, and, and the headline is, I used to hurl rocks at trains, but football saved me, and fatherhood made me a man. That if there's not a better description of a man, of a man throwing her, uh, rocks at trains, Alexander Mitrovic. So yeah, 22 years old, and we we haven't signed a striker. Dwight Gale's hamstrings are maids of ham, so we might need him <laughs> to, geez, to play quite a few, quite a few games. Of- <laughs> so uh, yeah, he's going to get a lot of chances. And the the last Premier League season we we were in, I think he scored nine goals, which considering he's playing in an absolute basket case of a team, it's not that bad. In the Championship, he didn't do too well. He wasn't. He was. Firmly second choice. And when he did play, there were sort of questions about his attitude. But over pre-season, I think he's got three goals in six games, which isn't bad, considering he's not been playing every minute. He's um, yeah, he's very much cut out for the Premier League. I think if if Rafa can make him a player, I, th- I think Rafa would like to sell him if he had the chance and bring in sort of 10 to 15 million and spend that but we can't do that at the moment if we've only got two strikes and he's one of them. So if he does stay, I think he's going to get minutes and he could definitely push on a couple of others. Uh, CM De Jong is back. He used to be good once. Maybe he can do something. He, he's <laughs> that also, sounds like the beginning of the song. <laughs> he's, he is another, he, his whole body is made of ham. So <laughs> he's probably going to go down injured at some point. He's uh but no, he, he's looked good in pre-season. And I think last season, number 10 was was a problem position for us. Perez never really looked a natural there. Diame has the first touch that is a tackle, which it's just not really what you need. And he's, yeah, I don't really think Diame is very good. So CM Diong has, has looked good and he's got the sort of the intelligence to sort of make that role his own the problem with playing him is that with the lack of pace that Richie's got, can we really use him and De Jong in the same sort of attacking lineup? Probably not, but we'll see how that goes. I think he he, he could have a good season or he could just be absolutely do nothing, but <laughs> there's a chance. And, and finally, a, the one, a younger player to sort of look out for is uh Freddie Woodman, the goalkeeper. If he wasn't a goalkeeper uh uh, sort of another position with a similar talent he would be in our first team already he is so good sort of similar to john pickford but he's like three years younger uh, and maybe not as good as pickford yet but he's definitely got that sort of potential
2: then you should probably sell him for 50 million because apparently that can happen <laughs> <laughs> we
4: yeah, we need a goalie though and we, we literally don't you have can buy 10 <laughs> We could do that. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah he was the was England under twenty goalkeeper, uh, and he did really well in that competition. Mm. And it was only a couple of years ago that he was interviewed, and they asked him about what his what is like short term goals were. And he said to get an England World Cup squad for twenty eighteen. So he's not <laughs> short of sort of ambition. I think. If R- if Rafa really doesn't rate our current goalkeepers and we can't get another one in, he, he could get an opportunity at some point down the line in the season. Maybe if an injury to Rob Elliott or Caldalo or so- something happens, he could get a chance. And if he does, I would back him to do exactly what Pickford did at Sunderland. I think he's that good. So, yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on.
1: Interesting. All right, well, Jake, uh, we'll stick with you uh, and uh, talk about this Newcastle-Tottenham match. Obviously, your first match back up, as we joked about <laughs> earlier. Your last match at home against us went fairly well what are you expecting in this one
4: yeah we we sort of have a good record against tottenham recently i think we we in our relegation season we beat you twice so like and in the season before i think we've won our last four matches at white hot lane or something ridiculous like that i know we won't be playing that this year but it's a game that we normally do quite well in and rafa's record against tottenham as a manager is is very similar i think he's won all but one so like all the statistics make me think we've got a chance uh I don't really know what our team's going to be like. Gail didn't play today, but Rafa said he, he should be fit for the Tottenham game. So he'll probably start, even though he's not had much of a preseason. De'Andre Yedlin is not going to play. I think he's injured. So that means Javi Mankio will, will play. And if he's if we get there, Marseille, Javi Mankio, I, he, he's probably going to be a fine deputy but if we get the sunland one we could lose very badly <laughs> he, there's two there's two heavy man and i hope we get the better one and i'm sure under Raff, we will so the, the, the sort of injury news is sort of yedlin's gonna miss it gale should be fit um you it, could I'm get
2: heavy man or you could get javier man i'll be yeah
4: <laughs> we've uh, the 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 Shelby I think is is going to be an interesting one this season. Um, he's he's looks as fit as he's ever looked. He's matured a lot under uh, during our season in the championship, and I think he's going to have a a, a really good season. I think, I wouldn't be surprised if he made the England World Cup squad. I think he's that he's that he's that talented on his day. He's definitely one of the most talented players we have in England. He's just like a basket case of of an individual, but he he's sort of improved under Rafa. He's really matured, and I think. He's gonna play in the number ten role, I believe I've I've been reading. I think he's gonna be we're gonna play a double pivot with Marina Marina, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, the guy we got from Dortmund. He's gonna partner Isaac Hayden, and then there's gonna be Shelby in front. So yeah, um it's the first game of the season. Tottenham um, they've got a few injuries, so at least Trippier and Wanyama, which helps us if they are both out. We're at home, the, the atmosphere should be great. Benitez is a very good sort of Game manager he knows how to make changes to to suit a game. Uh, certain teams, he will have done his research. He will know exactly what to do. We're probably going to play counter attack. We've got a lot of pace. I think we'll get a draw. I'm pre- I'm pretty confident we'll get a draw. I don't think we will lose. I, I think sort of the optimism around the place. St James's Park full. That we've sold forty five thousand season tickets in a fifty two thousand seat stadium, which is incredible. So it should be an absolutely great atmosphere, and I think we're going to get at least a point, if not more.
1: Hmm. Steve Jake did mention the injury issues, which includes not only a missing Trippier and Wanyama, but also Rose, Sun, Lamella. Uh, so, not exactly the healthiest team heading into week one. How confident are you?
3: No, I mean, not healthy at all. I mean, not, uh, you know, but but our first choice team that we put out against Juve uh, on Saturday, I think, is a pretty pretty strong lineup. And Newcastle are. Have been my personal bogey team. I don't think I've ever seen us beat Newcastle, to be honest with you. Uh and I, as I was saying earlier, when you when you look at the the fixtures when they come out, uh you, you see that your first game of the season, you don't want to play one of the promoted teams, you don't want to play the the best of the three promoted teams, and you certainly don't want to play them away at a place called St. James's Park. So so it's gonna be it's gonna be a challenge for us. Uh however, I think I I think I'm gonna take us to to turn the bogey around this year and actually uh, come away with the points. Uh, but I, I think an awful lot is going to hinge on the Trippier injury because then that's going to affect whether where he plays Dyer. does he play Dyer as part of the back four uh, or does he, you know, just, um, uh, just go with the three and hope that uh, Jan and, uh, and Toby can, can cover the, uh, cover the, the flanks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and we talked earlier about Sissoko, whether Sissoko plays in that, in that position, uh, it was interesting. Jake, you and were talking about Pickford. Uh, uh, there was a Spurs fan tweeted uh, after the Pickford transfer. He said, "You know, thirty million for Pickford's not that not that bizarre." He said, "We we paid thirty million for Sissoko, and Pickford's a better midfielder." <laughs> So, but that, maybe that's a little harsh. Maybe that's a little harsh. <laughs> but you're right. Certainly psychologically, that's going to be tough for him if he if he's thrown into that, and it'll it'll be a cauldron as uh, as you guys always make it the first the first game of the season, particularly. So, but i do I, I think we can I think we can nick it, uh, and we need to nick something. We need to take something out of that game because, that's as I said. Match yeah it's going to be really important for us to hit the ground running at, at wembley uh first game chelsea you know I, what better opportunity to step up is there and to you know atone for the for the f a cup semi final for goodness sake and then you know we got Burnley at home immediately after that uh and then we've got to, got to go to Everton and then we have swansea uh at Wembley so I think you know for us to get off to a good a good start we need at least a point uh at Newcastle and at least a point against chelsea and then and then we'll uh, we'll kick into gear. I think.
1: Quick side question for you: uh, Harry Kane, uh, notoriously, has never scored in August. But mm-hmm. this is the first year he's had an off season and a preseason. How? Just just take a guess. What week do you think Harry Kane will score his first goal? Oh, next week. Yeah, the first one.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Scored a lovely goal against Juventus.
1: He did. That was a great team goal as well.
3: All right. uh... Dan, you aren't playing
1: anybody that's on uh, <laughs> the show, but how do you think you'll look next weekend?
2: Um, it'll be interesting to see what the team looks like, because both Aaron Ramsey and Mr. Dozil are questions for that game after picking up Knox and training. Oh, so much shock. Um, Arsenal players? I don't know. Inter? Inter- sta- no. No, never. Never. It's totally new. Um, I don't know Merida, Sack- Merida Sacker's status after his pretty major cash above his eye. Um that was a lot of stitches. Um Coughlin's hurt and I'm just devastated. Um Gabrielle's out for a while, still recovering from that knee injury. Jack Wilshire out. Again, just totally devo. Just really cannot get over that. Um and Santa Garola is dead. A bad I actually am upset about. Um but I it's expected. Um Is he even expected to return this season now? Nope. Uh not really. I mean wow. April. <sighs> But, like, come on now. Uh, Yeah, he's dead. Um, I I hope we can beat Leicester. Um, I, you know, it's a game we should win. (laughs) If we want to be title contenders, which we apparently do, because that's really the only legitimate explanation for not selling Alexis, um, then we should be winning this game and we're a better team, even without Ramsey and Ozil. I don't know Alexis status actually, but based on the way we've always tended to rush him back, um, I, I'm kind of expecting him to play, but there's no, there's not been any confirmation or anything. And Wenger was very, well, he didn't really answer whether he, he or Musafi would play, but he didn't say that he was going to rush him back, which I think he would have in the past. So I don't know. Um, he might play, he might not, but I, I, Just knowing the way we tend to rush him back, I feel like he will. Um, But yeah, Lester, We should beat him. Hopefully we do. If not, to be fair, we never win on the opening day. But if not, it's not a great omen for the rest of the season. (laughs) Yeah.
1: All right. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for uh, coming on. If you have any projects you'd like to tell people about or if you want to tell people where they could reach you, now would be
2: a good time. Uh, Yeah, I'm Dan. And actually, one thing I forgot to get in... um, Congrats on the team for winning a penalty shootout with a keeper that has never saved the penalty for us. Uh, but with that, I'm, you can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits for Arsenal and Dogs. Thanks nice for having me on.
3: Thanks for having me on again, Kevin. Uh, I'm Steve McGoogan. You can get me on Twitter at Steve McGuggan uh, or you can go to nyspurs at com. or if you want to read any of my stuff that's not football related, uh, you can go to at Northern Slant or northernslant.com. Thank you
4: yeah uh thanks for having me on again uh you can get me on twitter at jake jackman twins that's where i plug pretty much anything i write uh for the main two sites, i guess the epl index and the boot room so check both them out um also a quick plug to the championship show i might not host it anymore but if you want to listen to people talk about actual football that happened this weekend check out this <laughs> week's show it's a pretty good one
1: <laughs> no trophies but was actual competitive matches um I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, at KevRoff on Twitter. If you'd like to reach the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPLRoundTable or emailing us at EPLRoundTable at gmail.com. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening.
0: Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much.